My message today is entitled, In Balance. Let me ask you a question. What do a tightrope walker and a submarine have in common? I'll tell you that they only succeed when all things are in balance. If a tightrope walker loses his balance, he falls to his death below if he's walking without a net. Also a submarine. If it loses its pressure on the inside of its hole, it gets crushed like a tin can. There's a balance of pressure on the inside and an outs and the outside, which allows a submarine to operate. What's that have to do with us? Well, it's a lot more than most of us realize. If we don't maintain an equal balance against the pressures that surround us on all sides, we get crushed by our circumstances. In fact, there's only one way that we can keep that balance on the inside so the outside doesn't crush us. We see this in the book of 2 Corinthians, Paul's letter, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. It says, We have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet we're not crushed. We are perplexed, but we're not in despair. Right now the world is trying to crush everyone on all sides and trying to put people into a sense of despair. You see it all over the place. But here's the key. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. This treasure inside every believer is the Holy Spirit. He is what prevents us from being crushed under the weight of our circumstances. The fullness of his presence is what keeps us from despair. However, many people never come to understand the fullness of the Holy Spirit. It's a mistake that causes many to feel crushed under the trials of life. When you look at people who have lost despair and people who have walked and they've crushed, it's, because it's, it's usually because there's, there's not been an acknowledgement of the Holy Spirit. If you've ever felt like this, then it's time to discover what the Bible teaches about the Holy Spirit to make sure that your understanding is in balance. So I want to talk about the Holy Spirit in different aspects of this expression of God. We begin by recalling the events that immediately followed Jesus' baptism. Matthew chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, says, When Jesus had been baptized, he came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. You see, as the Holy Spirit descends upon Jesus after he was baptized, as he did as an example for us, God affirmed his Son. And coinciding right with these events is the fact that the Spirit, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he didn't just celebrate and say, hey, I have the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness. How can that be? You see in Matthew 4, 1 and 2, it says, then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights afterward, Jesus was hungry. See, he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And because Jesus was in balance, 
this experience prepared him for his earthly ministry. He was just baptized. He was just affirmed by God as the Holy Spirit descended on him in the form of a dove. But to complete the filling of the Holy Spirit, Jesus was now led into the desert to be tempted. Why is that? It's the same reason why God allows us or causes us to go through trials that we do. It's to quicken the Holy Spirit to us, to draw us into his presence. The greatest way to do this is to create a contrast where we can find God. Light is always brightest in the middle of the darkness. It's never more welcome and never more appreciated than when the darkness is overwhelming and then there's light. Many times throughout the teachings of the Bible, we see that God is found in the places of greatest contrast. The angel of the Lord, if you recall, appeared to Moses in the flame of fire from the midst of the burning bush. Contrast. When God gave the Ten Commandments, he spoke from the midst of a fire, the, the cloud and the thick darkness. That's contrast. And when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were cast into the fiery furnace and the Lord appeared to them in the midst of the flame to protect them and to deliver them, that's contrast. It's usually in the middle of our greatest challenges. People say, why do you have to be lost? Why can't everyone just see, wake up and find Jesus? Why do you have to be lost before you can be found? It's because it's, it's, it's in the greatest contrast where we can see Jesus. In our most difficult challenges that we experience the greatest depth of God's love and his compassion and his grace. It is here in the midst of our trials and in the midst of our temptations where the Holy Spirit makes himself known to us. Otherwise, we have so many other voices that we, we, we get confused. But God allows us to go into areas of, of despair so that we can see him with the hopes that we will turn to him if we're looking. You see, the greatest way to quicken each of us into God's presence is to bring us into the midst of the wilderness. That's why the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. And then as the darkness tries to overtake us, the Holy Spirit shines his brightest by bringing the Word of God to our minds, if we've been faithful to put the Word of God in our heart and our minds. For this is the greatest weapon to push back the darkness. Matthew 3 and 4. Now when the tempter, that's the devil, when he came to Jesus, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But Jesus answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We see that the same Spirit who led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted was also the same Spirit that quickened the Word of God to him. To not only defeat the devil, but to bring Jesus out of darkness of temptation and into the light of God's presence. It's the exact same thing that the Holy Spirit does for each one of us. If when we are in darkness, we expect him to speak to us. If we're so focused on the darkness around us and all the feelings and all the thoughts, then we won't hear the Holy Spirit. But if we believe that the Holy Spirit lives in us, that he is the, the treasure in us as earthen vessels, then he will speak to us to pull us out of the darkness. But we've got to look. It's the Spirit of God who brings the right word to us at the right time. Not to just beat back the enemy, but also to drive us to God. 
Many people spend all of their time and all of their effort and all of their strength trying to beat back the enemy instead of just focusing on getting to God. Yes, I'm going to speak it against the enemy and rebuke him, but I'm going to go to God. I'm not going to stay in battle when God's saying, come to me and I will give you rest. The Holy Spirit is the one who continually brings us the word to drive us into God's presence if we're open to him and expecting him to speak to us. John 14, 26. In the Gospel of John, John talked a lot about the coming of the Holy Spirit. He says, The Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. So it's the Holy Spirit that helps you to understand the Word of God. Without the Holy Spirit, it's just a book. But with the Holy Spirit, it's the living Word of God, and it brings things to your remembrance, and it gives you, He gives you understanding. It's only in understanding the fullness of the Holy Spirit that we're able to receive from God what we all need to grow closer to Him. This wilderness event for Jesus was more than just a reaction following a sudden attack. It was a continuous chain of related events following the Spirit from the waters of baptism, and then following the Spirit into the wilderness to face temptation from the enemy, and then knowing that the, it would give opportunity for the Holy Spirit to bring the Word of God with power. These are not isolated things. The Holy Spirit is with us at all times, leading us and guiding us and, and telling us that He will never leave us or forsake us. Understanding that the Spirit is always leading us, we're not surprised or taken off guard by trials. I thought my life was going good. How come the bottom dropped out? How come the wheels have fallen off? Jesus hasn't left you. The Holy Spirit hasn't left us. He's with us the entire time if we look for him in the contrast, if we call out for him and expect him to speak to us. He is, we shouldn't be surprised by trials or temptations or seemingly unfair circumstances. For in each of these situations, the Spirit is now given the opportunity to feed us the Word of God that we would be drawn close to him. It is this balanced understanding that connects the dots of our life into a continuous expression of God living through all that we do. Balance is everything. Not just I have the gift, I have the spirit, but now I'm in trials again. The spirit's with us the whole time. It's, it's the balance that we're seeking. The problem that we often have is that once sin enters the picture and we get out of balance... We don't know how to maintain or how to even regain our balance again. We often live in a zigzag life from one extreme to the other. Things are all good and things are all bad. Now there's hope and a great, but now things are at the bottom. That's how we live if we're, if we're not in balance with the Holy Spirit. If we respond immediately to our guilt after we sin, and we all do, but if we respond immediately to the guilt, we're driven to God for forgiveness. But if we hesitate... If we doubt, if we start to condemn ourselves, I shouldn't have done that, I'm a Christian, I know better, and I'm bad, I start to condemn myself, then I've lost, I'm out of step with the Spirit, who's constantly trying to drive us back to God. He, the God wants us to come to Him. Our guilt turns to shame if we don't, which shoots us into a zigzag pattern, a lot like a pinball that goes out of the plunger, it bounces from bumper to bumper. All of us are going to sin. Because we have a sin nature. And when we do, God says, come home now. 
come back to me. God says, I knew you were going to sin even before you did it. And my arms are still open. But we need to acknowledge that we have sinned and we need to come willingly back to him instead of wallowing in our pity or our shame or making excuses or blaming someone else. Then we're in that zigzag pattern and we get out of balance. And without the Holy Spirit, we will get beaten up and eaten alive in that world out there. We need the Holy Spirit. We need the balance. You see, we often go from intense feelings of despair to intense feelings of relief. Back to intense feelings of brokenness. Only to return soon to intense feelings of another breakthrough. The problem is that our spirit was was designed to be fed by truth. Not to be led by feelings. When When feelings subside, and they all do, we're lulled back into complacency where we're vulnerable for temptation. If we think we only have God's presence when we feel his presence, then that we're being led by feelings. The truth is God said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. But some of the new modern ways of promoting God are, 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 are very sensory, causing us to think that I need to have all this sensory feelings to be in God's presence. And God says, I'm, I've been here all along. That's the balanced understanding of the Holy Spirit. Without a balanced understanding of the Spirit who leads us into both trials and into victories, we go from one extreme to the other. That's usually where the enemy picks us off is in between those extremes. It's a dangerous pattern to fall into because sooner or later many people get worn out with this zigzag experience and they give up on God. Why should I trust a God if this happens then and my shoe falls off here? Why do I trust that? It's because of a, a, a not, they're not in balance. It's like hiking from the valley to the mountain and then back down to the valley and then back up to the mountain again. No matter who you are, it can wear you out. As these extreme changes in altitude have devastating effects on even the most experienced hikers. In their own strength, some will try to respond to life's challenges with all grace or all conviction. Instead of striving for that sweet spot with Jesus, led by the Spirit. In other words, they put more effort on trying to get away from temptation instead of just trying to get to God. Yes, the Spirit blocks out the enemy, but we have to choose to get to God, not just continue to stay in the fight and keep, and keep battling temptation. God says, I have provided a way if you're willing to take it. It's the balance of the Holy Spirit in a believer's life that convicts him or her and calls us to repent of our sin-filled ways. But repentance does not mean to just turn from your sins. How quickly the power of repentance can turn back into a dependence on a human will if we try to get away and stay away from temptation. In other words, I'm going to turn from my sin, but if I'm not careful, I'm going to pick up another sin as well. Or I'm going to leave this bad relationship and pick up another bad relationship. Or I'm going to leave this addiction and go into another addiction instead of saying I'm going to turn from sin and I'm going to go to God. That's what the Holy Spirit is trying to get us to do to understand that we've messed up and that God is our only hope. If we can lay down our pride, pride, we will go to God. The Bible says that in his presence, there's a fullness of joy. So we say no to sin and we go to God. We get forgiven and restored if we're led by the Holy Spirit. Well, there's other concepts that are of the Holy Spirit that are, are not fully understood. 
One of the most misunderstood concepts is of our triune God. That's the Holy Trinity. God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's misunderstood because of how we compartmentalize each of the expressions of God. Listen, the Holy Spirit is not one-third of God. On the contrary, in each expression, the fullness of God exists. How do you explain that God is the Father, He's also Jesus the Son, He's also the Holy Spirit? I've often taken like a, a rubber glove and I blow it up and I say the same part inside my hand fills it up my whole hand. So the same air that fills the same fingers, the same air that fills the palm, and the same air that fills the thumb, it's all the same Spirit. So the same Spirit of God fills God the Father, the same Spirit fills Jesus the Son, the same Spirit fills the Holy Spirit. Now that's the best I can do because by human means, because we can't always understand the things of God, but God is not one-third Holy Spirit and one-third Jesus and one-third God. He is all, the fullness of God exists in each expression. It says right here in Colossians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, For in Him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. In Jesus dwelled all the fullness of God. All the fullness of God dwells in the Holy Spirit and in God the Father. It, it, it fills Jesus in the same way that all the fullness of God fills the Holy Spirit. 1 John 5, 7 also talks about the Trinity. It says, For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, who is Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. The three are not one-third each. These three are one. Why do I say all of this? Because too often when people are talking about or teaching about the Holy Spirit, they only mention one aspect of His role and identity without presenting the fullness of His work and who He is. Yet it's impossible to understand and fully appreciate all that the Holy Spirit has to offer unless a proper balance is presented. Therefore, we cannot talk about one aspect without the other. First of all, one of the greatest aspects of the Holy Spirit is His role in bringing conviction, as Jesus teaches here in John 16. He says this in verse 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For I, if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. That's why the Holy Spirit came to convict the world to let us know we cannot reach heaven on our own. He brings conviction upon us that we return to Jesus. The Holy Spirit helps us by convicting us of sin so that we will turn to God and press into him. He's the one that causes us to need Him. If you are trying to convince someone into the kingdom without the power of the Holy Spirit, it's, going to, it's an intellectual battle, and it won't work. But if you teach the truth of the gospel that we all have sinned, and we all fall short of the glory of God, and we need Jesus, then the Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin so that we can go to God. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. He's not, it's not just that we want Him, we want to try Him, we need Him. That's what conviction says. Conviction of the Holy Spirit is absolutely essential in keeping us in line with God. However, many people are crushed under the feelings of judgment because they have not also learned that encouragement is an, an equally important part of the Holy Spirit. He convicts us, but he also encourages us. 
Look in John 14, 16. It says, Jesus says, I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. While conviction is one of the roles of the Holy Spirit, nowhere in Scripture does Jesus say, I'm going to send you the convictor. He says, I'm going to send you the comforter. Now, he's going to convict, but he's also going to comfort. He's going to bring truth to, to hear, but he's also going to give you an answer for it. Mm-hmm. Clearly, in the, in the Gospel of John, Jesus refers to him as the comforter. That is one of his names. When Jesus first publicly acknowledged the Spirit of God upon him, do you remember when Jesus came in and he went into one of the uh, synagogues and he started to teach? He took out the, the scrolls from Isaiah and he, and he said, this is being fulfilled in your hearing of it. This is what he said. It was, from, it was from Isaiah 61, verse 1. Jesus said this speaking of himself to announce what he was doing. He said, the Spirit of the Lord, here's the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. See, this being said, we do not experience the the full power of conviction unless we receive the fullness of his comfort as well. And with this balance, we take one step closer to becoming one with the Lord. He convicts us, but he also gives us encouragement and comfort that when we go to God, we are one with God. Some churches and some teachers and even the Pharisees back then, it was all conviction. There There was no comfort. There was no grace. It's all, it becomes very legalistic in what you're doing and what you're not doing. And yet God says, I know what to do. I'm going to present this before you, but I'm also going to, by comfort, I'm going to lead you into my presence. Well, you have to teach both to get an understanding balance of the Spirit. Conviction says you have sinned and you stand guilty before God. That's the truth. But His comfort says, come unto me and confess your sins and receive my forgiveness. I will cleanse you and I will heal you and I will restore you and make you whole. That's the Holy Spirit. Well, also another thing we learn about the Holy Spirit is that a believer comes to understand that one gift of the Holy Spirit is that he reveals truth to you through the Word of God and through prayer. In the same way that the Word of God was revealed to men as they wrote the Bible, the Holy Spirit still reveals truth to believers today, confirming the Word and bringing personal revelation so that we can understand the scriptures. We need the Holy Spirit to help us to understand what the Word of God is trying to say to us at any particular time. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 3. By the, by the way, we studied this this morning. We're doing a fantastic study in our, our morning Bible study at 10. You're always welcome to join us. It says, Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit speaking to you and through a person that enables each of us to even say that Jesus is Lord. It's not just something that I say because I have more faith or something that I say because I realized it and the logic made sense. It's the Holy Spirit in each of us that causes us to even say that Jesus is Lord. He works in ways that we don't even see. These personal revelations allow a believer to tap into powerful truths. But without a balanced teaching of the Holy Spirit, there are many who go wayward in their revelations. 
For along with opening up revelation to a believer, it must be noted that the Holy Spirit also brings discernment. So God can show you great things, but he also brings you discernment so that you're not followed by anything that you hear that sounds fantastical. Of the gifts of the Holy Spirit equips a body of believers, there are gifts of prophecy and gifts of discernment. Those are some of the gifts of the Spirit that God gives. And only the balanced teaching of both of these gifts keeps the church in line with God. Without acknowledging the gift of discernment into our lives, to balance out the revelation, churches and individuals can wander in the wrong direction. So God gives each pastor, each leader, each the, the leaders, a, a, a revelation of where God would have his church go. But he also brings through the Holy Spirit the gift of discernment. Now, if, that, if there is no balance, then some churches go wayward. Because a pastor would say, God, give me a revelation, we're going to go this way. But if it doesn't balance with the Word of God, it doesn't balance with the sermon, then some places get off. I'm going to let you know, without saying any names, that there was another person in the area in the past year that told me that God had a word for our church. And he said, you need to teach this in your church, and you need to do this and that, and God wants you to do this in your church. And he said, God even told me that you probably won't listen to me. I said, guess what? God's right. I'm not going to listen to you because what you're saying is not biblical. And he was going to teach it in his church, and he wanted me to teach it in my church and another church. And I said, you're wrong. You're not biblical. We're not going to teach that because you know what? God gave me discernment. I'm not saying it couldn't have been true, but when I prayed about it, I had discernment that God did not want us to go in that direction that, 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 this, that this other church was doing. And I thought, if God wants to, us to go and... Don't, I said, don't you think he would have spoke it to me? Well, I just, I, I just want to warn you because I was told that you probably weren't going to receive this. Well, you're right. Listen to that voice, not the other one. I say this because this happens a lot because there's no discernment. And, and without that, then people are led astray. God gives us discernment of truth, but he, he gives us truth, but he also gives us discernment so that we know which revelation, because there are good ideas and there are God ideas. Mm-hmm. Okay? So there's a lot of good churches that start with a good idea, and I'm not saying they're evil or bad, but they start with a good idea, then they get further away from God. But then there are God ideas that don't make sense in the natural, but if we do it, we are blessed. Amen. That's why the gift of discernment is so important, so that we could come against things that would get us off track. Well, besides the balanced teaching of conviction and discernment, there's also the fact that we are there's fruits of by of living in the spirit, of being led by the spirit. Second Corinthians chapter three verse seventeen says, "Now the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty." One of the most destructive heresies in the modern day church is that the Spirit of God brings such a liberty to the body of Christ that we're free to live however we want. It states that God's grace will always forgive us no matter what. There's a modern-day heretic who's actually from Michigan, or at least he ministered in Michigan. His name was Rob Bell. started a massive, giant church in a shopping mall in Grand Rapids. Okay? He promoted a message, he wrote a book, and promoted a message called Love Wins. Now, 
How many people living in despair want to read a book called Love Wins? Everyone's going to want to, right? Love Wins. That sounds like a great, maybe you've heard that hashtag, you've heard that title. Love Wins. It stated that everyone who ever lived, everyone, Hitler, everyone who ever lived, regardless of how they live, regardless of if they believe God, whether they curse God to his face, no, regardless of how they live, everybody will go to heaven. This is, and, and, and his, uh, his idea was, God, in the end, God's love is greater than anything. So even God can't send anyone to hell, so everyone's going to go to heaven. It's not in the Bible. Jesus said there would be hell. Jesus said there'd be very, it, it's the narrow way, and very few would find it. But, but, he, but he said that everyone would go, would go to heaven. So it doesn't matter how you live. It doesn't matter what you say or what you believe or what you share. Everyone goes to heaven. Well, of course, if you're living in the world and you don't have to give up the things of this world, you're going to want to go to a church like that. So the church exploded. They took over a whole shopping mall. Now, I'm not saying that all beggar churches are like that, but there's, there, are, there, are, there are several that are perverting the word of God to try to bring in numbers. This blasphemous statement was based on human logic rather than God's. And I've said this before, and my best friends told me this before, for people that kind of make up their own theology. They say, listen, when you get your own set of planets, and when you get your own set of stars, you can make up your own rules. But right now there's only one who has their own set of planets, and I'm going to follow his rules. Amen. Right? Right? And so there's things that we might not understand, but listen, God knows better for us than what we do. So we need to understand that there is heaven and there is hell. It's in the Bible. There's a balance. Yes, God's love is amazing. Yes, he can rescue even the most depraved sinner, but we need to acknowledge him. Because the only way that we can get into heaven is by acknowledging that Jesus died for my sins. That's how I get into heaven. Yeah. And if I don't acknowledge Jesus as my Savior, then I do not have a right to go into heaven. It's a right that God gives us. In fact, he gives us the right and he calls us children of God. If we've come under the blood of Jesus and received his forgiveness, which we don't deserve, but by grace we receive it anyways. And if we do, we enter into eternity with our Lord and Savior and all of our loved ones who put their trust in Jesus Christ. That's a great time that we have to look forward to. Amen? Amen. Romans 8, 1 and 2. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ, Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. When the Holy Spirit is living on the, inside of you, it doesn't mean you're not going to sin. We are sinners because we have a sinful nature. But when we sin, the Holy Spirit living inside of us immediately convicts us and says, you are off, you've missed the mark. And then when we are convicted, we turn to God and say, God, forgive me, I blew it. Or I blew it again. God, I need you. It's the Holy Spirit that causes you to cry out to him rather than to continue to pursue sin with no conviction. That's why he says there's no condemnation because if you're leading by the Spirit, even when you sin, you're not going to condemn yourself because you know God has given you a pathway back to him if you'll take it. Don't stay in condemnation. When you hear yourself saying, I should, I should not, I should have, that should is a word that means condemnation. And it's trying to lead you off the path. And you can say, no, I'm not going to stay there because Jesus Christ died for me. And Jesus Christ will forgive me of my sins if I come to him and be restored and healed and forgiven. That's what his promise in his word says. Verse 5, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirits 
the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Now, it does not mean you will never sin, because we all mess up. But when you do, you have a conviction of what you did is wrong. Listen, many people think that the evidence of the Holy Spirit is that you're living such a great life. If you have conviction in your spirit when you did something wrong, that's the evidence the Holy Spirit is living and working on the inside of you. So praise God for a conviction. But let us also answer that conviction and go to God with it. The life in peace where we experience liberty and freedom is when we're, when we're understanding we're being led by the Spirit. Yet this is only made available to those who choose to live by the Spirit instead of by the flesh. The Spirit of God is available to every believer in everything we face. But we have to learn how to hear His voice through prayer and through the Word. It's the Holy Spirit that speaks to us if we're listening and expecting Him to talk to us. We have to expect Him to speak. Just like when you come to church. You should be expecting each one of you that God's going to speak to you what you need. We pray every day, and we're going to do it again today, we pray the Lord's Prayer. And it says, give me, Father, my daily bread. That means, God, you know me. You know what I'm going through. You know what I'm up against. God, I pray that you're going to give me what I need today, my daily bread. Whether it's comfort, whether it's a warning, whether it's direction, whether it's peace, God will give you if we expect him to feed us. And he does by the Holy Spirit. But then we have to be willing to follow. It's not just trusting God in all your heart. It's I'm going to trust God, but then I have to obey God as well. So if God asks you to do something, if God asks you to go forgive someone who's been annoying to you, you better go do it because it will get worse. And a guy puts you through a trial and he says to trust you and you fight and complain the whole time and you get out of that trial and you think, whew, I'm glad it's over. And if you had not learned your lesson, God, out of his grace and mercy, will allow you to go through the same trial again. Has it ever happened to anybody besides me? Yeah. yeah, right? Because God has a reason and a purpose for all things that happen in life. So our goal is to trust him and allow him to speak to us, but then we have to obey. And we line that up with our discernment and the word of God so that we know that we're following God. Well, finally, one of the more out-of-balance teachings regarding the Holy Spirit in our lives is the Spirit-led ability to speak. Peter and John called on the Spirit of God, as all followers of God at that time, faced great persecution. And notice when they called upon God, notice how what, what God gave them to the power of the Spirit. It's in Acts 4.31. It says, And when they had prayed, this is Peter and John, so they were being persecuted. When they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they all, were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the Word of God with boldness. So one of the gifts that the Spirit gives us is He, he allows us to speak the Word of God with boldness. So we're not afraid of what they're going to do to us. It's the Holy Spirit who gives boldness to each of us to speak the Word of God to others in the face of adversity, in the face of persecution. I'll tell you what, I've been to public schools for 30 years, and I've been a minister for at least 20 years. At least. I've... I've never been kicked out of schools. I use discernment. I use the Spirit of God. I use wisdom. But I've never shied back from talking with the Word of God. I've never shied back from the, uh, someone coming to me and, I, and, and with discernment, can I pray for you right now? Absolutely. I've had Bible clubs. I've, I'm not bragging. I'm just saying with discernment, the power of God cannot be ceased. Mm -hmm. And so if we're willing to do that, so God does give you boldness with discernment if you're willing to follow and obey Him. However, 
equally important for us to realize is one of the greatest empowerments of the Holy Spirit is the fruit of self-control. That's one of the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's the last on the list, and it's all, all, all many times forgotten that. That's one of the greatest gifts is the gift of, the, of self-control. Unfortunately, there are many who do not have a balanced understanding of the Spirit-led speaking. Sure, they recall the boldness that Christ had when he confronted the Pharisees and when he knocked over the tables and they said, that's the boldness of the Spirit. Absolutely it is. But how soon that they forget, or just they forget and they to gloss over the fact that there are many times when Christ silenced during his trials and during his scourging was even more powerful than his words. You've heard me say it before. I am convinced the two greatest miracles that Jesus ever did, and he did a lot, the first one was rising from the dead. But the second one was through all the stuff he took and the whipping and the scourging and the beating, the false accusations, he never uttered a word. He never fought back. He never complained. He had every right to do it, and we do it all the time. But how could he do it except by the power of the Holy Spirit that allowed him to stay silent as he obeyed the Father? Because if he would have fought back, he would have been saying, you're taking my life from me. But he didn't. Because he didn't fight back, he said, I am laying down my life so that we could, he could pick it back up again and give it to us. As the Spirit of God led Jesus all the way through the cross to the right hand of God the Father, we too must learn to follow in the same way that Jesus did, knowing when to speak by the Spirit in all boldness, and even more, especially nowadays, to know when to stay quiet by the Spirit of God to allow God to fight for us. I'm not saying we allow all atrocities to happen because there's certainly things that I've, by this discernment, I've stood up to many things, even in the schools. But we need to know by the leading of the Holy Spirit when to speak and when to stay quiet. And don't think for one minute that speaking is more powerful than, than being quiet. If you're listening to God, they're equally powerful. Without the balanced understanding of the Spirit, we are, who emboldens our, our speech and also silences our speech, we're too caught up in our passion thinking that we need to always defend God. This causes us to lead with emotion. And we, when we are offended, instead of leading with truth and standing in His power, when you see someone who is always reacting out of emotion, every time they are offended, that they're always reacting out of emotion, always blaming and always criticizing, every time they're offended, even if it's things of God, always reacting out of emotion, understand that they are not in God's will. Jesus could have been offended all the time. All the things they said, all the false accusations, and most of the time, he stood quiet. Or he just delivered truth without emotion. James 1, verse 20, says, The wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. There are times when our spirit-empowered silence is the most powerful response we can give. We don't always have to fight back in emotion. Now, if God tells us, we speak truth. But if God tells us to be quiet, when we stay quiet, then He gets the victory. Mm -hmm. Obeying the Holy Spirit and submitting to His lead, especially when we are angry or hurt, is what allows us to walk in the righteousness of God. With a balanced understanding of the Holy Spirit, we acknowledge that God brings conviction. The Holy Spirit brings conviction. 
But he also brings encouragement. He brings in conviction and encouragement. They work together. We realize that he brings revelation and he brings discernment. They work together. We realize that by the Spirit, we are given a life of liberty and a life of discipline. It is in balance. And finally, by the Holy Spirit, we are given the boldness to speak and the self-control to stay silent. They work in balance. We need to understand the balance given to us by the Holy Spirit so that we can continue to function as his light in this earth. With this knowledge, we not only become formidable warriors for the army of the Lord, we also become precious instruments of love, of God's grace and God's love. Listen, John 1.17, he says, says, The law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Grace and truth. God, if we had only known conviction and not comfort and encouragement, God, let us know that now. If we had only learned revelation but did not learn discernment, let us learn that now. Lord God, give us the balance we need so that we can receive all of you, so that we can be all of you to this world. Lord, prevent us from standing in despair or or feeling like we've left out. Lord God, let us know that there is forgiveness at the cross. No matter what we've done, no matter how we may have strayed or how we have messed up, Lord God, let us know that there is forgiveness at the foot of the cross. As we draw near to you, Lord God, may you comfort us with this truth so that we can share this with others who may be in bondage because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So by the power of your word, let us walk in that liberty and let us share the truth and the power of your love. Bless your people this day, Lord God. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.